Good evening. My name is Bill. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Bill. Hi, everybody. Uh, sobriety date of uh, 22nd October 1978. Um, I say that to impress myself, I guess. I didn't. Uh, I was just talking before about the meeting about the uh, the first time that I was able to, uh, that I was asked to speak. I spoke in front of a large group, uh, I don't know, 100, 200 people, and, and uh, I had a year on the program. And what happened is that I started off, I, I would guess normally, but then all of a sudden I started remembering what got me here. And so I, went, uh, <laughs> I was in tears most of the time that I was up there, you know. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe that I finally joined a group, you know. I finally fit in. And that for me was the, uh, the thing that... Uh, Started off with my with my drinking. I just I just never fit in. And I hear so many people talk about the same things. I thought I was unique when I come into the program, and I heard people talk about not fitting in and, and anger. And uh, I thought, well, geez, I'm not unique. I didn't fit in. And God, I had anger, you know. And and uh, I started drinking at about ten or eleven years old. And by the time I was thirteen, fourteen in high school, I was getting into problems already. I wasn't drinking that much, but every time I drank, I had a problem. So uh, I hear people talk about, you know, they went from their their fun time to their bad time. And for me, it was just a short little span of fun time. And, and uh, when I had the car in high school, and, and uh, I was, what, 16, 17 years old, I was in, in accidents all the time. And every time I got in an accident... I never got a, I never got locked up for for a DUI, but I had uh, I had been drinking that time, so that kind of followed me with the. Uh, I was I was a drinker that got in the car and pushed the pedal to the floor every time I was drunk. I never never thought about going slower so I wouldn't get stopped, and it it, it kind of followed me even after I sobered up. I uh, I. I remember I couldn't I couldn't slow down. It was like one of these, you know, uh, I was a road warrior, and uh, so I put uh, I put a lot of stickers on the back of my car. It was kind of an AA mobile, and it was uh, that's when we were when stickers were popular. They aren't popular now, but um, I had the uh, bumper stickers, you know, honk if you know Bill, and turn it over, easy does it, and everything. And that kind of that kind of kept me. Believe it or not, it was a psychological thing for me. It kept me from going too fast. I was a, uh, I thought of myself as a representative of AA, and my car was an AA mobile. And if I if I flipped somebody off or I cut somebody off or was, was swearing, you know, whatever, uh, then I was discredit AA. And uh, for me, that worked. I don't know. I, uh, at, uh, I had trouble, like I said, all through uh, all through uh, high school with the uh, drinking. Um, every time I drink, uh, every time I had a drink, I got in trouble. And uh, I just, I still had that feeling and never fit in. But when I had the drink, I fit in. Whoever I was drinking with, I fit in. I, I just, I became a different, different person. I wasn't fat Bill anymore. I was, uh, I was slim Bill. I was, uh, I was always a good dancer. I didn't need alcohol to dance. But when I, when I drank, I danced better, you know, so... Alcohol played a played a part for a long time. Uh, when I was uh, when I was having these problems, you know that uh, 
in uh, in in great in in, in high school. Um, I uh, I talked with my mom, and you know, mom told me she said, uh, "Bill, the reason that uh, that you're drinking like that, and and you've got these problems, is because that you're you're living here in the city, you know, and you're 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 mixing with these guys on the block. And the block I grew up on, there had to be like 17 guys, and and I think 15 of them got in trouble, and, and one other guy and myself were the only two that didn't get in trouble. I'm not talking about drinking at school. That's mainly where my, my problems were. Uh, when I was uh, about 18 years old, I decided to uh, go out looking for jobs after high school, and the the uh, criteria then was uh, how many, what's your draft status? So course I hadn't been in yet and I had no thoughts of going in but I thought geez if, if I wanted to, to go on with my life you know to get some type of employment I might as well volunteer for the draft so I did that and as, as, as I passed by the Statue of Liberty going over to Germany on the boat I looked back and I thought to myself what in the hell did I do you know what did I do? I could have, I could have made, I could have solved this problem a little easier than doing this. I mean, I'd never been, you know, out of, out of, uh, from Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago, and never been out of that, the, that city. You know, going to, going to Wisconsin for cheese and going to, to Michigan to, to swim and stuff like that. But that's about it. I didn't, you know, Germany. That was, that was really something. So, uh, I got. Um, uh, when I was when I before he took off for Germany, I was I was, uh, I was on in uh, Fort uh, Fort Hood, Texas, and they asked if anybody uh, was uh, had prior military experience. So I raised my hand, and two other guys raised their hands. So now we're squad leaders. So they put us in the room, and I asked the other two guys. I said, "Show me something about marching." I had never been I had never been exposed to any military at all, you know. But I figured. It sounded good to be a squad leader. I was now I was in charge of something, you know. So I believe it or not, I was faking it for a while. I was really faking it for a while, and I was I, I guess I was picking up from the other guys and what they were doing, and it seemed to seemed to uh, do all right until I marched a squad, my squad, down to the PX, and we were supposed to be confined to the barracks, and, and got them. We got all got drunk on three point two beer and. And uh, that was that was the end of my my squad leader days. Uh, they said that you're going to be replaced. I took three or four other guys who went into Mexico. We got uh, we got busted for uh, being a wall, and we were out uh, busting rocks for a while uh, in the in the stock <laughs> Fort Sam Houston stockade for a while. Um, so all this was happening, but I, I, I kept on thinking what, what Mom said now. I'm not in that city anymore, and I'm still get, having problems, you know. But now I'm with a, an older bunch of guys. I mean, guys that were, you know, in, in our squad, you know, you had guys from everywhere from New York all the way to California and in between. You know, had all kind of different, uh, um, different drinking, different uh, lifestyles, and, and uh, I made it out of the military after uh, going up and down the ranks a few times. And I, uh, I said to myself, well, I'll never, never get involved in a semi-military organization again. So after, uh, I, after I got out of, uh, out of the service, 
I went to uh, I went to college, and I started going to college. And I had about three years in, and I went out looking for jobs. I wanted to be a lawyer, or, or uh, actually, I wanted to be an FBI agent at the time. And I started looking for jobs, and uh, they just uh, they're asking me how many degrees do you have? You know, it wasn't what type of degree; it was how many. So. I, th- I thought, well, I'm never going to catch up in this world. You know, I'm, I'm just, I still can't fit in. You know, I still, I still can't, I can't blend in. And uh, after about three years of, uh, of school, they had an uh, application for the uh, Chicago Police Department. So I figured, well, that would, I always heard that to get fired from a city or state municipal job, you had to commit treason or kill somebody. So I figured, well, I wasn't going to plan on either one of those, so I'd probably hold a job for a while. So I signed on with the department, and I had uh, I had four or six months of uh, probation where I couldn't drink. And I, I'm saying I couldn't drink because I knew if I was going to drink, I'd lose a job. So I went uh, I went cold turkey for four or six months. And as as I as I did this, I was the got to be the designated squad car driver because we had three breweries in our district, <laughs> and it, the midnight shift was spent down in a brewery playing cards while I was sitting there on my hands because I couldn't do anything because I was the driver, you know, and that lasted on and and uh, I didn't get in any trouble, and after the end of uh, six months passed. Um, I went out and, and started my drinking, and I was uh, I was I was labeled at a, as a, a discontent, a malcontent, um, uh, hates the world. How to win friends and influence people, as my wife always said to me, you know, because I didn't give a damn about about anybody. I mean, about winning friends and that. I I uh, actually I was doing the program before I came into the program. I was. I was telling the truth, you know. My uh, my wife would ask me uh, how something looked, and I'd tell her. And it's, sometimes that isn't always the right answer that you want to you want to give. You know, you got to sugarcoat it a little bit. So anyway, I'm I'm um, I'm on the job, and I, I got married, and and um, uh, just. Uh, had a child, and and uh, the child, uh, my son is uh, was hyper uh, hyperactive and uh, uh, taking taking R- Ritalin, uh, which uh, uh, and and his his whole thing was that he wasn't drinking or drugging either. That's that's why I couldn't figure out how he could act so wacky, you know. I figured if you're drinking and drugging, then I can understand the, you know, there's an excuse for what you're doing. But he would he would do things, and and I was the, um, the district I was in, um, we live we were living in, and every time he got in trouble, everybody knew that my son got in trouble, and it was very embarrassing, you know. Um, I had to go to courts and everything, and uh, uh, trying to trying to drink. Trying to maintain a uh, a lifestyle at home, trying to uh, keep a son in order, you know, um, thinking about having him emancipated just so the wife and I wouldn't wind up in jail uh, with with some of his actions, you know. So uh, 
um, all this, I was still, uh, talked to mom again, and mom said, you know, Bill, it's, just, it's a damn police department you're on. You know, if you quit that, you'd be okay. So, you know, mom or nobody else ever told me that I had a, my problem was drinking. You know, that, that, that wasn't it. And I don't know if I would have done anything if somebody told me that my problem was drinking. Because I couldn't see how, you know, you had a problem. So as I became more and more violent when, when I was drinking, the, the, the violence just escalated. So, you know, as they say, once you're a, once you're a, a, a cucumber, you don't go back to being a pickle again. Or once you're a pickle, you don't go back to being a cucumber again. And that was, that was me. I, uh, I was trying to figure out how to drink safely, and uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, my whole day was spent just trying to, trying to figure out how to drink safely, not to get a buzz on but just drink safely. So I went the, uh, I, I, I went the whole route. I was, I was going from, uh, from this to that, and I, was, I wound up at Rhine Wine. And I almost quit drinking if I had to drink wine, Rhine Wine. I said, this has got to be my bottom, drinking this stuff, you know. Uh, for me, my bottom was, um, uh, I, had, I had started hiding bottles. You know, I had, I had certain... certain um, bars that I wouldn't I wouldn't violate you know I wouldn't I wouldn't drink before noontime I would always go to work sober I always drank at work but I always went to work sober and that, in those days when I was working there was uh, alcoholism uh, amongst the guys was like like full bloom I mean it was uh, it was uh, we all stuck together the bosses were drinking the guys were drinking, so in the firehouses, the same, it was the same thing. So what you try to do, you try to put the the alcoholics kind of together, you know, on a certain shift, or try to keep rounded up, you know. And when you keep them rounded up, then you put the bosses with the less clout or the less seniority in charge of these guys. And these bosses had were having nervous breakdowns. They had to drink more because they couldn't keep track of... Ten or twelve, you know, if 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 it was a boss with twelve men, he probably had a good eight or nine were drinkers, and everybody was drinking on the job, and it was. Uh, uh, I mean, I got stories about. Uh, I, I never, I never stopped anybody. I never fooled with anybody, and I hated to write a drunk driver a ticket. I think, uh, I think on New Year's Eve was I had to work on New Year's Eve one time, and I had like my first drunk because I, I just, I just couldn't. Couldn't in good conscience write one because I was driving all the time drunk, you know, and I, I was going upside down, going through stoplights on the, in the car and, and hitting poles and everything. And then police from another suburb were chasing me. I'm doing 105, 110, whatever. And, and I'm just driving, I'm just tooling along, you know. And I don't know if I had a, I don't know if I had a death wish at that time to end this cage that I was running. I was like a hamster running around in his cage, you know, and I, I just couldn't get out. Um, my last, my last drink for me was, uh, uh, I had, had been hiding bottles and I put one up in the, uh, out in the garage. I had one out there. So naturally you got to go out there and do something, check something, you know, or, <laughs> or fix something, you know. So I go out there and I have a couple of poles and a couple more, a couple more. Anyway, I make, I lived on a corner at the time. And I'm making my way back into the house, and as I'm ready to turn, 
right up to my step, I fall and I go into the bushes. Well, I don't know if you've ever been drunk and fell into bushes, but it was like I was never going to get out. You know, I tried and tried and tried, and I was pulling, and I thought like somebody was standing on top of me. I just couldn't get out. So finally, after I got out, after I got out, I, I crawled inside the house, you know, opened up the door and just crawled in. And my wife at the time was cooking, and my son come walking over me. She said, what's wrong with, with uh, Dad? And uh, he said, Dad's sick again. So during that time, before, right, right prior to that, she had went to Al-Anon. And uh, when she went to Al-Anon, I said, you know, if you don't quit going to Al-Anon, I'm going to kill myself drinking. And she said, go ahead. So I, I drank like I never drank before for about three or four days. I never drank that heavy. And I mean, I thought I was going to die, you know. And finally, I had to slow down because I just couldn't take it. She, and she didn't say anything. So when she was cooking that night anyway, and, and uh, Junior was standing over me, I just started bawling, you know. And it brought back uh, something that was, took place in the tavern. Uh, when I was at the tavern, there'd be, there'd be guys after each shift. There'd be large groups of guys, and some guys would go after, go home after two hours or a couple of drinks. Some guys would go home, you know, and I was always the last to leave, you know, the last one to leave. Well, uh, I remember one of the guys standing at the bar drinking soda, and he was one of the guys, and he had quit drinking. Now, why he's standing at the bar drinking a soda is beyond me, was something I would have never done, but uh, I asked him, I said, uh, how come you quit drinking, you know? And he says, if you ever want to quit, he says, give me a call. And he was a friend of mine, so I had his number. So that stuck inside my head someplace, you know. I figured, well, that night when I was laying on the floor, like, I looked up at her and I said, can you dial his number, uh, Tim's number? I said, I just, I, I can't go on like this. I've, I've, I've had it. So she said, sure. So she calls him, and, and I don't remember if I... I don't think I went to a meeting that night because I was too ripped. Uh, but the next night, I come there, and the meeting, the meeting place I went to had all kind of logos on the, on the walls, you know, think, 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 and, and uh, Easy Does It and all this stuff, you know, all over the place. And I remember they had, they had tiles, and I'm sitting there looking up at the tiles, counting them, you know, as I'm going through. I remember that. And I kept on remarking to myself, you know, what's a nice guy like me doing in an AA meeting? How did I get here? And I'm trying to figure out what got me here. Was it the, was it the scotch? Was it the beer? Was it the, you know, what, what drove me here? And I couldn't figure it out what the heck it was. And I thought, if only, if I could figure it out before this meeting starts, I won't have to be at this meeting. Because the nice guy won't have to be at this meeting. See, that's what I was thinking, and I was looking for an out. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do this at all. And uh, the meeting started. And then I heard God, and I said, "Oh no, wait, no wait, no wait." I, the, the household I was brought up in, uh, all I heard was damn Catholics all my life in my house. You know, that's all I heard because my aunt was married to a Catholic that. And, and and he beat her, and she couldn't get divorces in the old days, you know. And that's all I heard. So I said, well, God, Catholic, that's all I knew about religion. And I said, no, that's not for me. So I'm sitting there, and 
did a couple of meetings, and I noticed one thing that each time, each day that I went to a meeting, I didn't have anything going on in my life. I mean, it was getting damn boring. I mean, it was really getting bad. Uh, I didn't. I was going out for coffee, sometimes staying out till two o'clock in the morning. We used to do a lot of take the meeting, you know, and go to the coffee shop or the ice cream parlor and sit there for hours and hours and close them up, you know. And uh, I was I was getting probably more of this uh, aftercare after the meeting than I was at the meeting. I was hearing a lot of a lot of good stuff, you know. I remember I had a short time on a program, and a guy came in a, the meeting, and he was a little he was a little unruly, but uh, they asked him to quiet down. He couldn't quite keep quiet, so a couple of the boys come up and put an arm under each arm, and he says, "You're welcome to come back when you can control yourself." And they ushered him out to the door, and I was so teed off because I thought this guy was going to ruin my sobriety. I thought these were my tables. That's how possessive I became because I finally fit in. And nobody was going to screw this up, you know. And that's the way, that's the way I acted. So they took me out after the meeting and talked to me and, and settled me down. You know, I had a real attitude about that guy at that time, I remember. And uh, I, was, I was on the program for about uh, two, two weeks or so. My, my sponsor let me go by myself. He says, okay, go to a meeting. I went to a meeting. First time at this meeting, guy sitting next to me, he says, he said, my name's Bill Wilson. I'm an alcoholic. He says, holy cripes, what a meeting I went to. Bill Wilson sitting next to me. Well, I didn't know this guy. Used, his name is Bill Wilson. He uses that, you know. He uses that for effect on guys like me. So I'm sitting next to him, and, and every word this guy said, if he would have got to, up to go to the bathroom, I would probably followed him, you know. I mean, every word that he said, I just hung on to. Because this is Bill Wilson, you know. I know he wrote that book that I have at home that I started to open up, you know. And uh, <laughs> not quite read it yet, but I was opening it up. So uh, I called up my sponsor that night. I couldn't wait to get to the phone. And when I told him I was next to Bill Wilson, all I could hear was the laughter. Laughter, laughter. <laughs> the phone drops, and he's laughing and laughing. He said, you met Bill? I says, yeah. And he described Bill. I said, yeah, that's him. <laughs> he just kept on laughing. So that, that was my first, uh, first, my first meeting by myself, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a fun time for me, a nice bunch of guys. So I, uh, I made a move from, uh, from Chicago to uh, Florida, and I said, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how many years I had when I was changing. I have 10, 12, whatever. Um, and I went, down to, I went down to Florida, and I said, well, here goes my sobriety. I'm really going to have to struggle down here. But I went down there, and the, the meetings were, like, almost identical. You know, there were hour meetings, and everything was just working smooth, and I fit in, and there was a lot of good groups. There was a lot of uh, some, some men's groups that we went. And uh, what, I, what, I, what I had was a, a good amount of retreats up in Chicago, and I found them down in Florida. Unfortunately, since then, I haven't really found where, where they have men's retreats, and I kind of got a lot out of those things, you know. Taking, taking the steps the way I did, it took me three years to do the, the fourth step, and uh, I, I carried this thing around like it was uh, sealed documents, you know, I mean, so nobody could view it, you know, and, and uh, I was very possessive of it. Uh, I, I didn't want to set it down. 
Unfortunately, I couldn't get rid of the anger. Uh, I still had anger after a couple of years in the program. And I just, I, I wasn't, the compulsion left for a drink left me rather early. But the anger didn't leave me. And I don't know who I was mad at. I don't know if I was mad at uh, the nice guy being in the program, or I don't know if I was uh, just mad that for the rest of my life I got to go to meetings. You know, I just don't, I, I don't remember what it was. But I, uh, I went down to Florida, and um, everything, was, everything was fine with the uh, uh, meetings. Uh, uh, like I said, our meetings and, and going out for ice cream or coffee afterwards, it was uh, a good social group. Uh, during this time, I uh, had tired of Florida for some reason. I'm not a... I'm not really a nester, you know. I mean, I can be comfortable probably in just a shack. I don't need a lot of, of uh, material things to keep me happy. I uh, I figured I, I I retired from the uh, department. I had a, I, at the time I retired, I worked with the dogs. I had a six-hour day. I had a car. I had everything that you'd want. At 50 years old, I, I left. I, I said, this is it. I don't care if I have to stand in a soup lane. I'm sober. I know if you're sober, there's, where there's a will, there's a way. You can make money legitimately. So I quit at 50. I retired at 50, and during this time, I had, uh, I had started doing the stock market, I think about 1998, 99. And I was doing this, uh, I thought, uh, boy, I was making money. God almighty. I, I, I don't know how much, you know. It was like uh, there was money every day. It was, it was unbelievable. Then 2002 hit. And then I didn't think about drinking. I thought I was dependent, deciding whether I should jump off a bridge or, you know, I mean, it was, it, uh, it, was, it was rather rough for my ego. And my sponsor had told me, he said, you know, he said, you're in a, you're taking on a uh, profession that, has a lot of highs and lows, and, and he says, you know, you just might not be able to handle this stuff. Well, when I when I got killed in, in uh, 2002, I didn't think drinking, but I, it brought me back to reality that I'm not I'm not invincible. You know, I'm not uh, bullets don't bounce off of me. Um, so after after uh, I leave Florida, I went up to uh, uh, got divorced in Florida. And uh, well, that was uh, 20, 26 years of marriage. Parted. Uh, took us. It took me about three years to speak to her because uh, afterwards, because uh, I felt that uh, um, I, I got I got screwed. You know, that, that I couldn't put it any other way. But uh, she had uh, the rights to half of my pension for the rest of her life, even if she got remarried. And uh, I just said, no, I, I can't really handle that. I said, what do you want? I said, why don't you tell me what you want, and then I can, I can uh, go on with my life. So I said, take, take what you want and give me the rest. So she did. <laughs> so, so I went on my way. <laughs> uh, I uh, actually, I, I, I did, I, I did okay. You know, I, it's that you have your pension the rest of your life now, and, and you're not giving it to some, you're not splitting with somebody, and she's in another, in another uh, relationship or a marriage, and I'm still paying her. I mean, 
that would make it really hard for me to to accept. So I went uh, I went from from Florida to uh, California. I had thoughts about I was uh, when I was in Florida. I was a uh, I went to culinary school. I went to uh, I did professional guardian for about four years down there, and uh, all this was possible because I was sober. You know I couldn't do it any other way. I had a relationship with a gal in Florida, but unfortunately, um, she was she was like my employee, and that didn't go too well when you when you have a in the same house. You know when you're when you're telling somebody what to do for eight hours, it's kind of hard to stop telling her what to do after that time. You know because the work had to be done and audits and everything. And uh, anyway, I left. Uh, I. Left I left uh, Florida. I was I was looking at other other states. You know, I love Tennessee, love Georgia, and I, geez, where where should I go? You know, and all of a sudden, it hits me. Well, my son had been out to California. You know, it seemed like I followed my son around wherever he went. I wound up. I don't know. It was uh, it was like that. So he goes out to I go out to California, and and. Uh, I had uh, all my relatives were up in Washington State, and I didn't want to go up there because it was kind of rainy. So I went up out in California. Before I went out there, I uh, I did a, a a check on the area, you know, and as far as income goes, and why I went out there, I just don't know. But I didn't belong out there, not not on a retiree's pension at 50 years old. I just I just don't belong out there, you know. And I stayed for a while. And uh, could not take the meetings out there. I'm not a whiner, you know. I went, I went to, I went to meetings, same meeting three times. And every time I'd come into these meetings, I'd come out feeling worse than when I walked in. And I just did not enjoy the meetings, and I was not getting out of it, anything out of it. I mean, it was just horrible. Um, and I thought, well, it's got to be me. And I'd, I'd go, and I, I don't know, I was in Southern Cal at the time, and other people would tell me, well, Northern Cal, there's better meetings, there's, you know, this and that. Well, I don't know. I just, I had a heck of a time. Uh, I just, just wasn't getting anything out of them. So I was eyeballing Arizona and uh, after a while and said, well, let me see what I can do uh, with Arizona. You know, it doesn't look bad. And I come here, and immediately I went to the meeting, and it was it was Chicago, Florida, all over again. Same thing, same thing. You know, it was a breath of fresh air for me. I had uh, uh, when I was coming in to to see if I was going to stay here or not. I'd stay for maybe a week or a month and and uh, check out the meetings and see if it, you know just see uh, being comfortable is 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 a big thing with me. I don't like to stay in a situation that I'm not comfortable with. And uh, uh, I, I would kind of, when I was here, I was getting all my all the meetings. I was going to a meeting every night and then trying to go back to California for a week or two without a meeting and then come back again and get everything I could. And that's a heck of a way to go, I'll tell you, uh, like that. Uh, well, since coming into AA, I don't know, I've... Uh, uh, Try to sponsor some people, and uh, uh, I, I've stayed sober in spite of all of them. Uh, I have a perfect record. Zero. Nobody stayed sober. Nobody, except me. I stayed sober. 
And, I, I, you know, after a while you start thinking, geez, uh, you know, how, maybe, it's, maybe it's the way you're carrying a message. Maybe, you know, maybe you're too hard on them because I don't believe, uh, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't babied when I come in, and I notice the tendency now is to do more babying or maybe even carrying the alcoholic a little further, in my opinion. But when I come in, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, they, they, they didn't uh, do it to me that way. They said, here it is, if you want it, okay, if you're not, go back out and drink. I'm sitting at a meeting one day, and a guy's sitting over to wine, and somebody throws a $5 bill up there, said, go get yourself a bottle and, and come back when you're ready, you know. And stuff like that, it just shocked me. And, and um, but that, was the early, that was the early days, you know. Then, then, then we start, I don't know, uh, Making excuses, and I used to hear, geez, I heard one, one term I, I remember hearing day in and day out was slip. He had a slip. He had a slip. And somebody said at a meeting one time that a slip is sobriety loses its priority. And uh, I, I kind of like that one, you know. That, that slip thing, you know, you set yourself up for every, every person that I, that I heard that has went back out there, I'm talking people with continuous sobriety and, and, and big-time sobriety, you know, maybe 10, 20 years or whatever, it's they stop going to meetings. That's the first thing they do, and they cut, they cut away from everything, and all of a sudden they, they believe that they're cured. They think that they can pick up that drink again, or somebody tells them, well, you've been off the alcohol long enough. You can probably, you can probably have a drink. And it, uh, I've... I make me I make meetings to see what happens to people that don't make meetings. You know, you come to these meetings and you hear around the tables. You know, you remember such and such. You know, he had twenty five years. Yeah, you know, yeah, he went out and drank last night. You know, foo. You know, he didn't have a slip. It was a premeditated drunk. He planned this. It was going to happen. Inevitably, it was going to happen. I don't see how you can you can. Take out this this program that of reinforcement of repetition. You know, sometimes I think to myself, how much more repetition can I take? Well, I can take a lot because I forget a lot. So I go back and get reminded, and and I go back and get reminded. Well, since since I've been uh, sober, I've uh, managed to uh, accomplish, like I said, a few things. I've uh, uh, I still, I'm still uh, trading securities. I'm, uh, um, uh, I learned how to cook. Uh, I, uh, I, I live, lead a, a very happy life. Not, not, it's not eventful, though. I mean, it's not the type of life that uh, is filled with material things because I, I don't have you know, a lot of material things. I'm, I'm happy. Somebody said that, that you should wear this... Uh, program is a, uh, a loose garment, you know, and uh, in other words, don't take yourself so serious, don't just lighten up a little bit, you know, and that's what I try to do, I try to have fun in this program, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, things going back and forth, like Dorothy and I with uh, getting here, you know, coming here from Sun City West, I told her I was going to leave last week, you know, I was going <laughs> to probably get a room, I want to make sure I get here on time, I is it still in the United States? Am I in Mexico? You know, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know where I was at. You know, I'd never been to Tonopah. You know, but I'm happy that she asked me to speak here. Um, since that time, I uh, um, 
I, I like to live by a, a few, I like to go to bed at night, put my head on the pillow and think, to, and think to myself, I take a quick inventory. And if I wrong somebody, I try to make amends within 24 hours. That's my time frame, you know. That's what I like to keep it at 24. Because the longer you go without making the amend, the, the more time you can justify that you're right, you know. You can be wrong as two left shoes, but you can, you can justify yourself that you're right and uh, you're not going to make an amend and all of a sudden you, you change the subject. Maybe you start, you start uh, talking about other things, arguing about something else or character assassination. Um, another thing that I like to do is uh, live by something. How important is it? You know, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And I get a kick out of Dr. Phil saying that. Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And I'd, I'd rather be happy. I, uh, this program has is, is given me things that I, I could never imagine uh, having in my life. It's enabled me to reach a lot of my goals. I never reached all of them. Uh, if, I, if I would have continued and went on to my, to my goal of, of uh, uh, FBI, Secret Service, whatever, I would, have been, I would have been found out. I know I would have. And... and uh, uh, kicked off of a job and and I had that on my resume, you know, but as a result, I hid in the department and I was able to to blend in with the other drunks there. So it wasn't a it wasn't a a big thing and and uh, but I was smart. I retired at fifty because my guys were leaving. You know, my guys. It was a new breed coming in, a new new set of bosses, and and uh, uh, they didn't put up with the shenanigans. I remember I was up in. Uh, Oregon one time, and I asked a, uh, uh, a guy that was a fire cap, we were working at a health club, and I asked him, I says, where, where, do you, uh, where do you guys hide the drunks, you know? And he looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, don't you have houses where you, you put your drunken firemen and, and kind of keep them together, you know, and that? And he said, are you kidding? <laughs> He's laughing, you know? And I said, no, I said, that's what they did in Chicago before when I was, when I was going through that. And he says, uh, no, he says, one time, one time, and that's it. They go, they go for the cure, and if they come back, they find them out again. They're, they're gone, you know. And so that's, that's the, the way it is now. But uh, for me, the job got uh, at the end there. I just didn't have uh, my people had left, and, and it was becoming very, very uh, monotonous, very monotonous. And like I said, I had, I had uh, the best thing in the world going, and one day I decided... I'm going to quit. And that was it. And I walked out. So that's about it for tonight. I want to thank you people for, for inviting me to this fine town. And uh, hopefully I'll find my way back. Uh, <laughs> I've, got the, I've got the GPS going. And I know I go east on 10 now. I, I took that other, that uh, was it Sun, Sun, Valley. Sun Valley. And it was such a beautiful drive, you know, coming out. But I know after leaving here, I'll be... The head will be nodding on the way back, so I better, t- I better get on 10 and pour the coals to it. Okay, that's it. Thank you much.